welcome to Wellness in the Wilderness. Come with us on the trail of life as we inspire you to take a step outdoors to disconnect from the distractions and reconnect with yourself. Sydney Williams and her guests will motivate you to get active and get well. Now, here is Sydney. Welcome to Wellness in the Wilderness. I'm your host, Sydney Williams, and today I am recording in Sequoia National Park, ancestral lands of the Western Mono, Tubatulatl, Paiute, and Western Shoshone people. If you are also wondering what the heck is the history of the land I'm spending time on, go to native-land.ca. It's a great starting place to do research to identify the history of the land that you work, live, and play on. And it's not the only solution. It's not the only answer. But again, it's a great starting place to start to learn more about the history of the spaces that we enjoy and that help us heal. So check that out. Today, we are running ahead. We're keeping moving on our five years of Hiking My Feelings. This is a mini season five years, five conversations with five women who have just been absolutely inspirational, instrumental, uh, just super important to our journey here in the first five years of Hiking My Feelings. And as we gear up for the next evolution of our work, which is the release and publication of Hiking Your Feelings, Blazing a Trail to Self-Love, which will be published March 12th, 2024 by Mandala Publishing, I couldn't help but think, man, I should really talk with like a literal trailblazer. Fortunately, I know one. (laughs) So today I'm excited to have Serena back on the show. She was on the original first 20 nights of the virtual campfire. Um, This is her first time on Wellness in the Wilderness. But if you want to go dig back and see where she was at in 2020, what was going on while we were all just gathering on Zoom and pretending like we were around an actual campfire, uh, a lot has changed for us here. A lot has changed in Serena's world, and we're just so excited to have her join us. So a quick little braggable bio so you get to know, and I can kind of lay the groundwork for how baller she is. Uh, Serena shares her love for the outdoors through writing, photography, public speaking, and trail design through her company, Trails Inspire. Let's just sit with that for a second. Like, how good does that sound? Trails Inspire. Like, this is already, we're feeling wellness we're feeling wilderness she's literally creating spaces for us to enjoy the outdoors okay let's continue her as an avid hiker backpacker rafter and canyoneer serena's favorite places are the grand canyon and the sky islands of southern arizona speaking of arizona she's literally the expert on day hikes on the arizona national scenic trail she literally wrote the book on it so you should check that out it's published by wilderness press and she's especially interested in reaching people like her who didn't grow up hiking and camping inspiring and empowering others to take on their own adventures is her passion and we are just really excited to talk about the new trail system that she just completed a unicorn of a project the birth of something new and exciting in Arizona for the recreation community. Serena, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks so much, Sydney. It's great to talk to you. Uh, I love it. So where are you currently? You are in a van, which was not the case in 2020. Uh, I'm guessing you're in Arizona because that is your land that is just, you are the, you are in my life anyway, the leading expert on all things Arizona, just period. Well, I do love it here. I am in Arizona. I'm in Southern Arizona, ancestral lands of the Tono Adam and the Pasco Yaki. And uh, I'm in the Tucson area right now, but I travel all over the place in Arizona and beyond. And uh, I just, it's such an an interesting and unique environment. I don't come from here. I'm originally from the Chicago suburbs. 
And so uh, I came out here actually 29 years ago. This week, I started at the University of Arizona without ever having visited before. So it was like being dropped on an alien planet. <laughs> Literally coming from the Chicago suburbs. Uh, when was the first time that you ever saw snow in Arizona? And what was that like for you um, coming from Chicago where there is no shortage of winter weather? The thing that made me laugh so hard when I moved here was if it snows, people drive up the mountain. We have a mountain called uh, Mount Lemon here and uh, it's 9,000 feet. And so when it snows, people will drive up from, you know, the, de the desert floor where it's nice out and they'll drive up and they would fill their trucks with snow, the back of their trucks with snow, and then drive down the mountain. And that to me was somewhere, you know, one of the, the stipulations I had for college was that I didn't want to walk through snow to get to my classes. So this was just so funny, but I totally understand being here now because it's a huge event when it snows. It's beautiful on the mountains. If it snows down here in Tucson itself or in the lower deserts, it's gone before you know it. And, uh, you know, if you want to, you can always go visit the snow. Yeah, it's not like being stuck in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man, that man, I the visual of uh, being in Arizona, which if you've never visited Arizona, you're like, it's dry. There's nothing. There is no life. It is just desert. The, so the visual of like a truck bed full of snow just really gives you a little something extra. I love that. Thank you for that. <laughs> Especially the truck bed driving through the saguaro cactus. And now I'm angry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of saguaro cactus, I just got to say, um, I have never in my life had such a delectable treat as the saguaro leather or saguaro fruit leather that you sent us. I, I'm glad you I'm glad you like it. It's pretty I mean, unusual. It's so unusual. And like I've I've like picked up a prickly pear cactus before, which is the closest thing that I can think of that reaches that same depth of color. Like I I kind of want my whole life to be the color of that fruit leather that you sent. It's just so vibrant and it just feels so full of life. It's beautiful and a lot of people don't understand like that the saguaros have white flowers in uh, like April, May, and but then they have bright red fruits uh, right before the monsoon comes. And so uh, the fruits are delicious. They're, they're really, really sweet. I don't add anything to it. I just uh, add a, a little bit of applesauce for texture and put it in the dehydrator. Oh my gosh. What, it's just absolutely delightful. So uh, I have a question about the saguaro uh, fruit itself. Does that come every year before the monsoons do they start producing fruit automatically like is there some kind of magic to the fruit of this cactus or was it just because i've never had it before that it blew my mind so hard well um you know it's a really important cactus for the um indigenous people here uh and it has been forever it um it's a major transition from uh the really hot dry summer in the beginning, like May, June, and then uh, to the harvesting of saguaro fruits. And that uh, the idea of harvesting saguaro fruits is supposed to bring the rains, the monsoon rains. And so what I was taught was that when you eat your saguaro fruit, you leave it with the red husk of it up to help bring the monsoon rain. I love stuff like that. See, folks, this is what I'm talking about. 
Uh, this is one of the reasons, actually, I would say this is probably a primary leading reason. I'm not going to rank them, but like certainly top five of things I love about Serena and the things that I've learned, like even just something as simple as that, just understanding like the, the, the tradition of how this fruit has been appreciated and harvested and things that I wouldn't otherwise know if I wasn't out hiking and if I didn't go to the summit hut in Tucson in 2019, that's how Serena and I originally met. Um, and there's been a lot of changes in the world <laughs> since then uh, for us as individuals and just like as a as a group of dynamic, creative gals that we are. Uh, there's a lot that's been going on. So what are some of the updates from our original first high fives and hugs to present day anything on your heart and mind that you'd like to share as far as trailblazing goes well i'd love to share about my most recent project that i worked on this year um we completed a uh, trail system at the amarind museum which is uh the amarind foundation is an archaeological research institution and um they also have a museum uh indigenous art gallery and they host uh, artists, indigenous artists, all year long and do a lot of really neat events. So this um, location is about an hour east of Tucson. And a lot of people know it because there's a rest area there with these amazing boulders, fantastic rock formations and stuff. But there's a fence at the rest area, so you can only look beyond it and see this fascinating landscape. And everybody that I know who has ever driven there that's a hiker has wondered, what is it like to hike back there? And <laughs> so I was shocked in uh, December to 2019, I got an email from Eric Caldwell, who's the, um, who runs the Amarin Foundation. And he wanted to know about designing and building a trail system on that property that you look at from the, from the uh, rest area. And it's called Texas Canyon. Um, it's got just, like I said, Joshua tree-like boulders, um, really pretty grasslands. It's in the Chihuahuan Desert rather than the Sonoran, so it's grasslands and oaks. So I couldn't even believe it when I got that first email. You know, he, it was funny because he was like, hello, I am, you know, writing from the Amarind Foundation. You know, this location is east of Tucson. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly where you are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have been exactly looking longingly at your rock formations for years, sir, for years. <laughs> so um, because the the only thing, uh, the only place that people are allowed right now until the trails open on October 7th with our big grand opening celebration, there's only a little picnic area. And, you you know, it's among these beautiful boulders, but you always wonder, like, what else is over here? And so I um, did a site visit in January 2020 and was just absolutely blown away. So one of the things that I do, I thought I'd talk a little bit about my process too. Um, one of the things that I do when I'm asked about a uh, trail system is, especially if it's an area that I'm not already familiar with, is let's talk to the people who have spent the most time there. You know, like where are they, you know, where do they recommend? There's a couple of uh, the staff there that were really helpful when I did my my tour and just getting an idea so that you're not just starting from scratch, you know, wandering the land. Um, and so I went on, on this initial visit, everything was great. 
mind you, that was January 2020. So everything shut down. Um, the Amherst Museum had to stop accepting visitors, and um, the project was off the table for a little while. Until uh, in 2021, um, there was finally funding to do the trail design in December. And so Mark Flint, who is my mentor and who taught me pretty much all I know about trail design, he's an incredible person. He's been designing trails for like 40 years. Um, we went out and we did a trail design of approximately five miles of trail um, in a series of loops, as well as one out and back trail. Um, I like stacked loops where you can have a lot of options for different lengths and views and um, different ways to put it together. And so that was just one of the most amazing weeks I've ever spent, just getting to know this landscape. Um, I had done some work on like Google Earth and, you know, using maps and things like that. But you can't, you can't tell until you're actually there on the ground. And we had such a blast. I mean, imagine to be given basically a playground of like the most amazing land that, you know, that you've looked at for years. And so um, another thing that I really liked is because um, they are so involved with the indigenous communities, the Tono Autumn and the Chiricahua Apache, uh, they um, were very uh, insistent that certain things were uh, included in the trail design. So for example, the um, Autumn were used uh, bear grass for their baskets. And so that was one of our jobs was to find, let's find a good trail that's nice and easy, good access for harvesting uh, bear grass for baskets. So things like that, um, you know, those are called control points. So you have positive control points. So those, that's like a really cool view you want to see, or like a really cool rock formation, or, you know, something, something of note, cool cliff band. Um, and then you have negative control points where areas that you want to stay away from. So really deeply cut drainages or, you know, areas that might be, uh, dangerous or in any way. Um, also, uh, you know, just the areas that you want to stay away from that aren't uh, ab ab obviously, absolutely, you know, anything with cultural or biological significance, um, since this was private land, they'd already done um, all of the necessary surveying and uh, studies on the land. There's ongoing studies on the land um, for archaeology and for botany. And so, um, so we were able to avoid sensitive areas. And then you just walk the land and things come out and uh, you're always concerned about sustainability that is the number one thing so yeah it's good to see the cool stuff good to stay away from the bad stuff but the most important thing is is your trail going to be laid out in a manner that will allow it to shed water and go through all sorts of weather systems people walking on it all of this stuff and still be sustainable not to you know we've all been on those trails where like it's a rut you know it's like it's all like degraded into like a V-shaped rut. Right. And so that's an example of like unsustainable. 
the water isn't being diverted off of the trail. So it's running right down the trail and eating it basically. So um, trail design is also, you know, very important to, actually, I think that's, that's pretty much the most important because um, there's a saying that if you design a trail badly, you're just willing a bunch of work onto future generations. And like, just, I've worked on trails that were not sustainably laid out and you just can't win because they weren't put in the right place in the first place. And so they're just always going to have these erosion problems. Even though we're in a desert, water, it's all about water management. Because yeah. when we do get water, it's a lot all at once. Also, it doesn't necessarily all soak into the ground. And so you have to have ways of diverting that. And so we did get to, um, you know, we were able to put together like five miles of trail. Uh, and, you know, that was December 2021. And we were really happy with what we had found. It was, you know, a super exciting project. And then we just, you know, we were waiting to find out who and how it was going to get built. So I had looked into a bunch of different options and I ultimately went with Flagline Trails run by Matt Roberts in Flagstaff. And he's one of the best. I am so impressed with his work. I knew his work was good. But then actually to have seen it in action and completed and to see how that trail system is, you know, working right now better than we could have possibly imagined as far as like sustainability, shedding water, things like that. So Matt Roberts um, came out to Amarind uh, to do a site visit uh, in March of 2022. And then there was a little bit of a lull because we had an idea of how much it was going to be and how much, how long it was going to take. And then there was some fundraising that needed to be done. So months go by and in November of 2022, I took a bunch of board members out on a bushwhack, um, a trail, a, an off trail hike to where the trail would eventually be. And it is so fun to take people out on things like that, that nobody's seen before. Nobody had ever seen this area. Um, nobody had ever, you know, the board members rather, obviously other people had seen it in the past, mm -hmm. but um, the public had not be, been able to see these areas. And so I took them on a little hike up to this beautiful saddle that has an amazing view of all these rock formations around. And then I got the call in December 2022 that they had the money and we could start the build. So I um, was just super excited to finally, you know, because this has been, like I said, this has been since December 2019 that I learned about this project. And so to like actually get the go ahead and to be able to tell Flagline Trails, okay, we're starting January 3rd was amazing and it kind of happened really quickly because we had planned on maybe starting in march and i'm so glad that we didn't because by march it was already getting hot they're also from flagstaff the crew and um so a lot colder out there and also that place since it's grasslands it's really snaky once it gets um warmer and you know if there's a trail not a big deal because you can see the snakes but if they're you're building the trail through the grasses it's more of a problem. So we started um, January 3rd and uh, 
how that works is um, Mark and I were in charge of going in, going through and uh, actually it's called flag line, like flag line trails and uh, it's called tight flagging. So think of the initial design as like a rough draft, you know, rough draft. We kind of know where we're going. We, um, you know, have an idea of where, you know, what locations we want to see and things like that. And then uh, we were able to go through and refine that when we were going to do the tight flagging because the the um, initial design is more of like a larger corridor. And then the tight flagging is really like this is actually showing, you know, you decide either you're um, flagging the outside edge, middle or the inside edge of the trail. And so that's very specific to where the trail builders are then going to come through and they know exactly where to put that trail. What was really neat. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just what a cool process. And I guess one of the things I'm curious about, because you had heard about their great work at, uh, at this particular with this particular building group. Is this a collaborative process between designers and builders? Like when they get out there, do they see stuff that you might not have seen or is it pretty much like you've got it so dialed in and then they just come and you guys work together to actually build the thing so this was a very much a collaborative process and it wasn't just like me and the guy who was in charge of the whole company it was me and the crew members because all i wanted was the best trail possible you know um and the first we noticed like the first time that we went through and did that rough draft like we were going and seeing cool stuff but maybe not getting there the most interesting way. Or maybe, you know, you could, we found that you could get through a lot more of the rock formations than we originally thought. We thought we'd have to keep it in the grasses. Cause so, so it's like rock formations and then grasses in between. So we thought we'd have to kind of keep it in the grasses, but this place is so neat because there is passage through these rock formations where you wouldn't think that you'd be able to put something that wasn't super steep and unsustainable, but you do a little poking around and you can find these ramps and really interesting things. So absolutely. Um, you know, I, I am all about collaboration and I just want the best experience at the end. And I think it's fun because, you know, not, I, I can't see everything, you know, and there I'm out there for, you know, it's something might be the light might be different. You know, it might be, you know, who knows? So to get that, those different um, opinions and, you know, working together with them. So I was on site the whole time just uh, in case also, you know, just checking on the project and being there in case we had any of those um, design changes that we wanted to make. And the trail system actually grew by a half mile as a result, but it's where all the good wiggles are. You know, and so uh, like just super cool stuff that we hadn't seen on our first pass. And um, so, yeah, it's very much a collaborative effort. And, you know, you just want the best for the for the land, really, and the experience. And one of the things that I don't think I mentioned is that I was very insistent. I like to make trails that are accessible to a wide range of people. Because I don't, I didn't start out hiking or backpacking or anything like that until I moved away for college. And so, like, there's a lot of people, you know, that don't have that background. 
Um, also, this place is right off of uh, I-10. And so there's a lot of people that are like traveling around doing other things, maybe going to see like the Wild West stuff in Tombstone and things like that. And so, there, you know, there's it's not necessarily just going to be hardcore hikers that come there. And so I try to think of so I designed for the Serena that moved to Arizona 29 years ago and didn't know a single thing about hiking or trails or, you know, navigation any of that stuff, you know? And so if I can think about that user group, the other user groups are going to have a good time too, but you're, you know, and there are certain trails that are harder and longer, but to have that really important entry level experience where, you know, Serena from the suburbs could hop out of her car and go safely and have a great time. I love that. And I think what you just said has kind of unlocked a layer that I knew to be true. Like, I truly believe that everybody on this planet, we're all so much more alike than we are different. And I love hearing stories from people who have also found, like, whatever their version of hiking my feelings is for them. Not just, like, the practice that I do when I'm hiking and spending time outside, but, like, how passionate I am about the work that we're doing and the message and all that stuff. And what you said about how you design for Suburban Serena. Like, I love that because it's like your version of me developing programs that I wish younger Sydney had to learn the language and the coping skills that I just didn't have any awareness of um, during some of the hardest years of my life. Like that connection to younger versions of ourselves, less experienced versions of ourselves. Like, I, I I think sometimes I take for granted and I assume that everybody's living life that way and everybody's doing work in that way. And I know that that's not true. So I just wanted to like take a moment to reflect how cool it is that you've created this position for yourself and this this way of working and collaborating in ways that feels really good to you and is bringing beautiful things into the world. It's just, it's so cool to see those little alignments regardless of industry, regardless of what we actually do day to day for work. Um, that just kind of connects those dots between just like being a passionate human. And I, I love hearing about the whole process and everything that you do to bring these trails to life. I might never build a trail ever, but I think some of the stuff that you're saying ties directly back to like the journey that is being human and finding our own way through life, right? Like we we want to go and see the pretty stuff, those positive, uh, <laughs> positive control points. Like we want to get to the nice stuff and we often look for like the most direct route, but I loved the part that you were saying about like, well, you know, maybe the light's a little bit different and this, this windy way about around this particular rock formation is the way to get to the next one instead of just straight shot in it, you know, as the crow flies. So there's so much beautiful like life metaphor stuff wrapped up in like the physical creation and design of a trail. So thank you so much for, for sharing that part of the process. It's so awesome. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I, my mentor, Mark, says that trails are like living beings and they'll talk to you. And it's true. When you're like wandering, you know, you're looking around for different routes and stuff. Sometimes it'll just be like, oh, OK, you're supposed to go this way, <laughs> you know, and then like a line will open up. And, well, uh, and I think that's funny, too. Like if you if you end up if you ever if you've ever wandered off trail 
and you start following like a game trail, you're like, oh, like I like the route that this deer probably took to get here, you know, like they're just following yeah. their nose or or whatever their instincts are to get to where they're getting. And and sometimes it's it's nice to to veer off course and and allow those things to kind of show up and, and redirect the experience. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like I said, it was just all about being open to the possibilities of what we could experience there. And I'm really happy that we ended up, so we finished the build um, end of end of March and it was such an incredible day. It was just the best day. Um, we did a combination of hand building and machine building. And so when the machine finally connected our last little piece, it beeped twice and we all cheered. <laughs> and so <laughs> I love that. It was great. And so uh, we finished the um, curl system and I'm just really happy with the, like the different levels of experience that you can get. If you're a runner, you could just go do a bunch of laps. You know, you could just run around and see new stuff the whole time and you could get a really long trail experience out of that, doing the loops in different directions and things like that. Or if you want, you can just go on the, we have, we have an interpretive loop that will have a lot of inter interesting um, interpretive signage about the, the land, the history, the indigenous people of the area, um, giving people those different experiences. Like my dad um, came to hike our trails and he's, in, he's 83. So I was so excited that he could actually go do one of these trails. Like he doesn't hike. He lives in the Chicago suburbs still. So. So perfect the fact example. That he could, exactly, <laughs> exactly. My user group. So um so yeah, it was it was awesome first of all to have my dad on my trails and then to see it in action, you know, that yeah, this is something that, you know, if people take their time and stuff, they can go do and they don't have to do the whole loop, they can go out and do a little bit. Um there's also uh over forty benches that are going to be installed so that people have places to sit. There's these beautiful big oak trees um, on the property. And uh, so just giving people, you know, so I come from when I started hiking, I got really into like the long distance hiking community. And it can be really easy to lose sight of the fact that that is such a small fraction of people, you know, that like that have that experience, that want that experience and that, you know, having to dial it way back. And that's one of the things that my book on the Arizona Trail helped me to do was the same sort of thing like slow down let's write this book for the person that doesn't really know anything about the Arizona Trail about hiking it has a lot of um, interpretive information about you know everything you're going to see and things like that and just to um, to give that slower experience rather than I'm going to hike 30 miles today totally valid but yeah. a completely different experience. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that that's a really cool part, part about, well, like literally that your dad is your user group. But I think going back to just to taking everything into consideration like that, I mean, like this is just, this is woven into who you are as a person. This is how you do business. This is how you design trails. Like talk about like walking the walk and talking the talk. Is there like, how, how long have you been designing trails and what was, what was the the like when you first started with your mentors or hiking or whatever led to you starting to design trails did you ever imagine that you would be working on a project like this and like is that if so like 
how did this meet or exceed or whatever your expectations for that experience? Because this, I mean, from everything you've said, just between the initial outreach, you knowing exactly what this land is and and what this organization does and and that respect for the indigenous uh culture around this especially like actually i've got nine thousand questions sorry i'm thinking a lot the first one i want to ask <laughs> the first one i want to ask is i want to call back to that bear grass and the indigenous women and that's what they're gathering it for baskets i remember you called me when you saw your first women gathering grass can you walk us through just like the emotion of that experience of, like seeing the the use that particular user group having access to an area where they can harvest I'd I'd love to hear about that because it was so powerful when you shared it. It was, it was an amazing moment. Um, We, they had a a running event at the Ameren Museum and there was a group of Tohono O'odham. There was a family there that was singing as the runners took off and as they came back. And afterwards, a couple of my friends had come to hike the trail with me. These are like, you know, my trail besties, right? And, you know, super excited to take them on this trail. And we come over this rise and I see this whole group gathered, sitting on rocks, collecting bear grass, you know, putting it into bundles and, you know, organizing it and, you know, just exactly what Eric and I had hoped for when we came, you know, when we were coming up with the idea of this trail, another thing was we made sure that in areas that did have bear grass, that it was not to be moved. You know, you, you route the trail around the bear grass, the bear grass states. So <laughs> to like see this family all working together to harvest the bear grass and, you know, knowing that that was going to make baskets and, it was such, it, my heart was so full. And the trail is actually now named the Beargrass Trail. Mm-hmm. And um, all, all of the trail names will be um, translated into Autumn and Apache. I just, oh God, I love this. And I, and I think about like the ripple effect of the work that you do. Like not only are you creating a recreation opportunity for people from various backgrounds and various experience levels and and even just a desire to be outside to your point not everybody is a hardcore hiker like this is a this sounds like a great opportunity to get some brand new folks on a beautiful new trail when i think about like just as simple as how good i feel after a hike on a really well-designed trail like this is something that i didn't really have an awareness of consciously and i didn't have language for when i first started hiking But through our friendship and just hearing about this project and all the different parts and pieces, like as we've been exploring around Sequoia, we're like, there's some trails where you're just like, dang, like this is really good work. Like, it's just so awesome. And I think about like, even just like the smallest little percentage of a ripple effect, like me as a user enjoying a trail, being inspired by it and just being wowed by the elements of it and the different areas that we're passing through, let alone like the opportunity to learn something about the history of that land through the interpretive signage, through different events. Like when I get done hiking and I feel great, like, and then I go to the store, I'm really nice (laughs) to the people that I see. Right. And like that could turn somebody's day around and then they're really nice. It's like this like ripple effect through total strangers, just because I had a really nice experience on a trail. Like, 
the ripple, it's not even just about how many users we get. Cause like, that's something I've been really dissecting for myself lately is like measuring what matters and the impact. And like, yes, obviously like you're going to want to keep stats on how many people get to experience and use this trail. But then there's the intangible stuff. Like of those people, how many people had an awesome experience? Probably all of them. Cause I've never gotten done with a hike and been like, well, that was a waste of time. Um, right. So it's like, there's just like, I just think about this one trail system in particular, like you poured your heart and soul into it together with this building team, this incredible collaboration with the trail builders and the foundation. Like there's just so much love and respect that went into this system. Like it sounds like regardless of what the trail looks like, and it sounds like it's incredible. It sounds like just the experience of being in that kind of space where so many people care for, advocate for, and are trying to increase access to such a beautiful area, that in and of itself is inspiring to me. Like that feels like just love in a form that we can experience on our two feet. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just, it's so cool to think about how far that experience can go for one person and, and where that can lead to. Everybody associated with the project just was so excited about it, you know, I mean, for different reasons or, you know, whatever, but everybody was so enthusiastic and so wonderful. And, you know, you called it a unicorn project because it is, it's like the most wonderful landscape and the people and the, you know, the attention to detail and the interpretive part of it and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, stewardship of land and just all of those things came together so beautifully. And the trail system's not even open to the public yet. So um, it opens, uh, like I said, October 7th, but we did some uh, compaction hikes um, previous to uh, it getting hot. And so we would take like a group of people basically and be like, stomp on the trail, you know? <laughs> and because uh, once you once you clear the grasses and stuff, you basically just like tilled the land to make it, you know, the seeds in the land. And so if you don't smush it down, it's just going to grow. So um, we had a bunch of people out there for these compaction hikes and just taking people out on this trail, on this trail system is so wonderful to see. I, you know, have taken a lot of people out and, just to watch there's so there's like a, a little part through the grasslands and then you come over this rise like i mentioned and you can see there's a big pond and there's cottonwoods and rock formations and stuff and i just love to watch people's faces as they come over that ridge because the awe and the wonder and you know that's that's what i'm living for right now you know <laughs> giving yeah. people that experience and you know also having that experience myself i have all these wonderful trails now that I can be on, you know, and I do it all the time. I've <laughs> yeah. been camping there with my van. I mean, I love, I love being on these trails. And so, um, you know, to, to see that and to evoke that kind of an experience for people. Um, I read a, or I listened to a podcast about awe. It was an outside magazine podcast and it's so, so precious and something that, you know, feeds you for days on end. A hundred percent. Oh man. Well, and I'm just thinking too about like you said about the compaction hikes. And so you like, you, you know, you remove the grasses, but now the seeds are in the ground and you got to stomp it down to keep that path clear. Like this, this path that we've worked, that we've, you know, done the work to remove the things that aren't supposed to be there for the sake of this 
thing now emerging and, and being available. Like there's so many ties to life for that. Like mm-hmm. we got, like we got to Like we got to do the work. We got to, we got to keep healing. We got to find the things that work for us. The, the work that lights our souls on fire, the, the trails that inspire us and give us that sense of awe and wonder and just like, how the heck did we get here? <laughs> like, I love, mm-hmm. I love those moments that I live for those moments. And, and, and you're talking about taking these people up over the ridge. And I think about in the work that I do, like just connecting the dots, like showing people sequoia trees that have never seen them. It's like, we're all just like kids, right? Like mm-hmm. we're just staring up like, what the heck are we looking at? Like, and it's just, there's so, I feel like, one of the biggest lessons that we've learned being out here in the wilderness and and doing what we're doing in Sequoia and just spending time in one place in such a not uh, not developed place. Like it's not the concept of wilderness and like the national park system in and of itself is, is inaccurate. Like we can't pre- protect right. things to be the same forever. Like that's just not how a planet works. Um, that's not how weather works. That's not how anything that we're doing is actually structured but that sense of awe and wonder and the like i just think that there's even more of that to be had when we embrace the changes like you were talking about having to compact the land and like making sure that these things are sustainable and shedding water appropriately like when you called me after the first rains on your trail and you were like everything's cool we had a fire nothing's wrong like we had a fire and we had rains and the trail is beautiful like it's just it to me it feels like one of those validating moments when you run up on something like you have a plan for something in your life and then like weather happens and you're like i hope i'm prepared and if you're not you figure it out but if you are you're like dang i did the work and like we did a really good job so it's i imagine that's just got to be gratifying on so many levels because like like you said everybody that's involved in this project is so excited and they love it for so many different reasons um but to have something like we spend so much of our lives working or we should air quotes like in this culture specifically you're like if you're not trading time for money you are not productive and you are a failure in society but like all i hear here is collaboration acknowledgement and deep respect for the people that have stewarded this land for thousands of years the future of what this land could hold for future generations like it's just it sounds like the work that you do, you're doing specifically in this part of the country with this particular project is just like the embodiment of literally everything you've ever cared about. <laughs> and, and a real beautiful example of what's possible when you get clear on what you want to do and why you want to do it. Like you want to create trails for suburban Serena. Here's why, <laughs> you know, and then like the what and the like the who and the how comes through like the Ameren Foundation reaches out and they're like, hey, P.S., we'd love your services. Uh, this trail builder is like, yep, this is going to be the most collaborative, beautiful experience of your career so far. Like, I just love how how perfectly and beautifully everything aligns when it's right. And it makes those times that are hard in between a lot more um a lot easier to look back on, I suppose, because it's hard when you're in it. But on the other side of that, like there's just such a depth of joy um, for being able to complete something like this. It sounds like. Absolutely. You know, and that goes back to your um, question you asked me before, like when I started doing this stuff, did I ever imagine this happening? Absolutely not. I started (laughs) volunteering to um, help build the Arizona trail in 2007 and 
it was just something that I was doing because I wanted to meet other people who were interested in hiking the Arizona Trail because I was going to be um, section hiking it. And so I pretty much just did it to meet people. But then it's so amazing. It's so amazing to like <laughs> be there on the land. You're, you know, out there. First of all, you're outside. You're with people that are usually pretty cool. You're, you know, making something that's going to provide all sorts of things to people. And then you get to walk out on the trail that you built. <laughs> you literally built this. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, the opening is October 7th. Is this open to the public? Can people come from all over the world to experience this beautiful trail now that we've hyped it up so much? Like what's the scoop on the opening and when people can come enjoy your creation? Right. So the ribbon cutting is at the Amerind, A-M-E-R-I-N-D Museum. And the ribbon cutting is at 9 a.m. on Saturday, October 7th. And we'd love to see people there. Yes. All right. And if there's anybody listening that's like, you know, I've got thousands of acres just sitting. <laughs> They're begging for a trail. Uh, what is the easiest? And Serena sounds like she's got a real good head on her shoulders and she could like really get this, get something going with us. Like, how do people engage you for the work that you do? So I have a website, trailsinspire.com. Also, my email is serena at trailsinspire.com. And I'd be happy to discuss collaboration with folks for trail systems or, you know, all sorts of things having to do with the outdoors. But I, you know, the trails, the trail design is just really near and dear to my heart these days. Yes. Uh, well, Serena, uh, last question. And it's a doozy, and I'm going to put you on the spot. So you're welcome in advance. Take as much time as you need. If you had a magic wand, and with this magic wand, you could do anything. You could uh, bestow knowledge upon the entire planet you could remove <laughs> you could remove a behavior that's not helping anyone um what would you do with your magic wand and who would benefit well let's just keep going with this theme i would uh make it so that people understood that we're a part of nature and that you know a connection with nature is very important and can change your life well, hot dog, that's a mic drop if I've ever heard one. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And as a part of this conversation series here, uh, this little mini season sponsored by our pals at Sawyer, uh, Serena, I just got to say from the moment that we connected online to our hug at Summit Hut Tucson and all of the guidance and beautiful pictures and just like, you're one of my favorite people to celebrate with. And I know that you are a safe space where I can just share good news and not feel like I have to preface it with anything or apologize for it. Um, and that's one of the things that I love most about our friendship. And I just thank you for, for the introductions to different companies and different epic humans like Liz Thomas and everybody else that have come through uh, my life via our friendship. I'm just eternally grateful to know you um, and be inspired by you and the way that you blaze a trail through life to self-love and literally um, making recreation more accessible to more people like suburban serena so thank you for being you and for everything you do and for being part of our life here at hiking my feelings and for me personally that's so sweet and it has been a joy to see your progression through the years i mean from when we first you know made contact years and years ago even before that summit hut meeting 
um, I'm just so impressed and happy that you found your way. Mm. Cheers to that. Everybody go find yourself someone like Serena who hypes you up, who brings her magic, uh, who just inspires you to be like the best, most creative version of yourself. Cause that's, that's what we need more of in this life. So uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of wellness in the wilderness. We hope this conversation has been a breath of fresh air until next time. Take good care of yourself. Take good care of each other. Dream big and be kind. We'll see you next one. Bye. Sawyer is more than an outdoor company. Every Sawyer product you buy contributes to our common humanity, bringing Sawyer water filtration systems to people in need all around the world. In just 2022 alone, 260,000 households in over 45 countries received clean drinking water through Sawyer filters. Over the past 10 years, we've teamed up with over 140 charities in 80 countries to provide long-term sustainable relief domestically, internationally, and in disaster situations. Together, we're saving millions of lives. Thank you. Have you ever spoken unkindly to yourself? Do you realize when you do? Are you ready to make changes, but find yourself completely paralyzed by the choices in front of you? We live in a hyper-connected, always-on world, and frankly, it's exhausting. Let's make time to disconnect from the distractions and reconnect with yourself. Hiking My Feelings exists to help people discover the healing power of nature. Kickstart your healing journey and grab a copy of the book that started our movement, Hiking My Feelings, Stepping into the Healing Power of Nature. Named one of Audible's best hiking audiobooks and available wherever books are sold. Visit hikingmyfeelings.org today to learn more. Thanks for joining us on this week's show. We hope this episode has been a breath of fresh air for you and has inspired you to find your wellness in the wilderness. We will reconnect with nature and you again next week 